Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and still a little stuffy. <laughs> Some are cold. <laughs> I mean, no fun, especially when you're coughing a lot in the time of COVID. Uh, I am joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who is still living for the little matter-of-fat dinner we had with our assistants yes! recently. It was a dream. On Matter of Fat, we talk about the cultural politics of fat liberation with a Midwest perspective. And first things first, we need to offer a correction and apology about something we talked about in our last episode. Yes. In our last episode, while chatting about Surreya's wreck, Mayor of Easttown, we mentioned our amusement with some of the contestants on the show, The Circle, and made fun of how they say a name of a Pennsylvania town, Conshohocken. So first, we said it wrong. We thought it started with a P. It is, in fact, Conshohocken with a C. And more importantly, we made fun of the name of this town, which was inappropriate, as the name Conshohocken. Conshohocken comes from Unami, which is an Algonquian language spoken by the Lenape people. This is something we're familiar with in a Midwestern context, right? There are lots of towns and cities named for the indigenous names or words assigned to them, and yet I didn't make that connection in our commentary, and we sounded flippant. Yeah, we did. What was intended to make light of a funny family that appeared in not one but two seasons of The Circle, instead made fun of the name of a town and thus mocked its history and the indigenous communities who lived there. So we want to offer an apology. Yeah, we want to apologize and also thank a listener, Holly, who took the time to comment on this and help us see the error we made. Thanks for taking that time, Holly. And thanks to you all for listening to our correction and apology. Okay, now let's see what's in store for this episode. On this episode, we are chatting about our style evolution throughout the years, sharing our interview with Pasishia Yang, social media star and second in command at Cake Plus Size Resale, and discussing the many dimensions of plus size influencers and fashion in the dirt and discourse. Yep, we're getting into all of that, as, as a, a matter, matter of fact. Okay, style evolution. It's not something you haven't heard from us before, but we wanted to take some time for two reasons. First, it'll come up in our interview with Posse Shield later. So you will hear us talk to her about her style evolution. And she has this great line where she says, now I look back at it. Yes, it looked goofy, but it felt good. Yes. And we just love that so much. And then another reason we wanted to talk about this is because a few weeks ago, I was at a cabin weekend. I guess it was a month ago now. Wow. Summer. Summer. Life comes at you fast. Um, but I was at a cabin weekend and one of uh, my close friends had a question that says, well, basically they asked, does your style slash wardrobe represent your personality? And that really generated some very interesting questions. So that is the topic du jour today. So Kat... Does your style slash wardrobe represent your personality? Yes and no. I mean, in some ways it does, but I think in other ways I'm not quite there yet. Um, mm -hmm. But, Saria, I'm really interested to hear from you. How did you answer that question? I mean, it wasn't so far off of what you just said. So mm -hmm. I guess the person who asked it, has a very different experience than I do because they said, yes, unabashedly, yes, my wardrobe can reflect however I'm feeling, my mood. I just go into a thrift store and I can shop in basically every section because they're very like 
gender non-conforming with their wardrobe and Mm -hmm, their choices. mm -hmm. And so they just feel like they can always put a look for whatever mood they're having. And I was just like, that ain't it for me, babe. (laughs) That is not my reality. In fact, I don't thrift because it just felt so futile over the years. Um, Or even like going into regular stores, Mm -hmm. it felt so futile. And so for me, I, it's just like a solid no. And because my fashion sense and like what I, the foundation for my style is not my personality, it's practicality, which like Capricorn, maybe a little practicality (laughs) in there, but you know, where could I find garments that fit and were reasonably priced? And like, that's a very narrow margin for what exists out there. Um, Okay. So two follow-up questions I have for you. Okay. How has your style evolved? Like from, you know, we talk, we've talked many a time on the pod, us as adolescents, (laughs) you know, young folks, you wearing your performance fleece, like we, (laughs) we've discussed, but like from that performance fleece moment to now, like, I mean, give us a quick once over, like how have things progressed for you? And then also, I want to know, Soraya, like, what would it take for you to f- be able to answer yes to that question, that your style does align with your personality, like, you know, um, um, nearly completely? Absolutely. Great, great cues, great follow-up cues. So I guess as far as like a snapshot of the evolution of my style, um, certainly for <laughs> performance, please, you just really <laughs> love that best. Um, after, after, you know, being a sixth grader... <laughs> I think I got into a lot of peasant tops, a lot of Mm -hmm. graphic tees, um, skirts, like very like leaning towards a hippie style, but not Mm -hmm. quite there. You know, that like crossbody bag that was maybe macrame, maybe patchwork, something or other. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, everybody, everybody knows that. So that was kind of my style, a little preppy, whatever. It was just kind of whatever existed. But like that was what felt comfortable and like approachable to me Mm -hmm. as a, as a large or teen and then I think after that and like there were a lot more colors and if I look back at my wardrobe as a teenager like I just liked color and so Mm -hmm. I used that in the small in the few pieces I had into college it definitely got it or became more muted and even after college way more muted more Mm -hmm. um monochromatic black green hunter green dark green camo colors you know you know the look and I think yeah was I being cool or was I just like conforming to black as an easy easy thing to wear um yeah also like a lot of my style in my early 20s was based on my job so I was just wearing a uniform most of the time and so I didn't really have the capacity to dress differently or like Mm -hmm. go shopping for a look outside of what that was um I will say from time to time, because I never felt like I could go and just buy a whole wardrobe, I've become a piece collector. So I'll have yeah. a number of different pieces that I really enjoy that maybe have a good pattern or a good color to them, and I will just keep those for many, many years. And so maybe I don't have a whole look, but I've got different pieces. And of course, that exploded once I met you. And then also with cake and just like the availability and options to try things that maybe I wouldn't have tried before and not regret like spending a ton of money on them because that practicality piece is still so embedded in what's going on with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, But you did ask a question. What would it take? Yeah. What would it take, Soraya? Just so much money? I hear that. I hear that. (laughs) Yeah. Why would it take money for you? Well, I mean, I think there's like a, a few things. For me, money is one of those things. Um, 
and you know, I think for me, like my, I'm quite lucky in my present day life. Like I just have access to a lot of stuff because of my work and, and you know, my, my life, my shop. Um, and so probably more now than maybe ever before. Like I would say my style aligns with my personality and like my style is kind of where I, I closer to where I might aspire for it to be. But truly, I can't afford the kind of pieces that I really want to be wearing all the time. I mean, I've said it before and I will say it again. You will know I have reached like rich bitch status <laughs> when every other day you see me in some new like Gbri piece. Ooh, yes. Just with this, the waist and the hip. Oh, my goodness. I'll I for those of you who aren't familiar with Gbri or maybe it's Jabri, um, I'll link them in our show notes. Gosh, just I mean, the silhouettes of those pieces are my absolute favorite. I have a couple of them and just like wear them to death because I love them so much but also so I guess I think that I think of myself when I was younger and you know like shopping at Lane Bryant at the Valley View Mall when I was 12 Mm -hmm. um, and recognizing like just having like what I wore then I couldn't be that excited about because there just was so little for me Um, but I've you know grown up in a time where like the older I've gotten from 12 year old me to 34 year old me, like the options are more plentiful every year. It feels like, or Mm -hmm. for most, for the most part in terms of who's making things in my size. Um, And that's a privilege too, right? Cause I'm a plus size person who can fit into, and especially in, you know, most of my life from 12 to 34 could fit into smaller plus size stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know that was just like available to me in ways that it is not available to people who wear larger plus sizes and continues to not be available to folks who wear larger plus sizes. Um, So in some ways it's gotten better, but there's two other like body, like folks don't make things for me kind of things that relate a lot to like me not being able to achieve the style I want. And that relates to my feet and my long torso, or I guess like, let's reframe. It's not my feet that are the problem or my long torso. That's the problem. It is these brands who refuse to make things for me. I mean, I want to give them my money, right? But I'm just not able to. There's a real lack of like large wide width shoes in styles that I like. Birkenstock is my, you know, I go so hard for Birkenstock. Those, oh, I, those all the limited edition styles, all the best styles, not wide width at all. And the wide width, no. And it's like they, they market to me, they send me those emails, I click on them every time. Like, is this the time you're going to have this available in the wider width? No. Um, And it's just infuriating. And also, like, I think I would wear a lot more um, jumpsuits. And I think I could really just, oh, uh, I really love the look of a one-piece swimsuit. But my torso, like a long, long torso coupled with some tummy is just like, it is so rare for me to find something that fits my torso length. And that, I mean, both of those things I've just described, I'm not alone in. Like those things, I, I those um, two kind of pain points come up so frequently uh, with other plus size folks that I am in conversation with, you know? So I, I hope that in the future those things will change. But yeah, I just, I need more money and then I need people to be making some some cool, cool, supportive, wide width shoes and, and also some some one piece swimsuits for a long torsoed person like myself. And then maybe, maybe then I would get closer. I don't know if it'll ever be a hundred percent, but it feels like I'll, it would be a lot closer to it. Or like exploration, like full right. sense of exploration would be possible. Yeah. I think that's a great point because it's like it's not as if we want to need all the things, but it's like we should have the opportunity to at least try them out. 
And there are people who who can do that and like figure out how to make clothing for themselves or have access to that. And I also think about this double standard of like being fat, like the presentation and needing to look a certain way. And so then you do have to put a lot of money into that or you or you prioritize that. And that's not a bad thing either. I will say like my weird brain narrative is that style or like finding your true sense of style is relegated to and for other people specifically because of their body and Mm. wealth status. So that's like my baggage that I'm bringing with this conversation. <laughs> well, and like, how could that not be where your mind goes, given what, you know, life for us around fashion has been like for forever, you know? And it's easier for us than so many others. Yeah. So it, it's both yeah. and. It doesn't mean that like we haven't struggled with this, but just recognizing that like um, there are folks who struggle much, much more with this as Mm -hmm. well yeah it's hard but i mean it is fun to think about how our Mm -hmm. styles have evolved since we were younger and how you know some options have um increased since we were you know adolescents (laughs) um and 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 also with that sreya maybe to think about how when we are you know in 20 years what style will be like then and what things we will have access to that we that we still don't have access to yet oh rich bitch status right yes that's <laughs> or <laughs> things being made you know what i mean like yeah you know, me, maybe i'll get more money right um but like maybe i just i i for all the things i get mad about in terms of like where things are going with fashion, which actually ties in really well to what we're going to talk about in the Dirt and Discourse. I do also see like tangible steps being made so, so, so slowly, but like more and more brands who like Lane Bryant, for instance, recently was just like, yeah, we're going to go up to, I think, a 7XL now. They had for years said they would never go above a 20 or 26, 28. And here they are mm. with those larger sizes. So I do see some moves being made that makes me think, it is likely that in, you know, 15, 20 years when we're looking back, we'll be able to to note the the developments that have happened, you know, from now to then. Yeah. And I mean, so much of this is personal style, right? And which gets me so excited for us to listen to our interview or share our interview. Because yes. that's such a hallmark of what we talk about with Pasishia. Truly. And hey, one quick note before we share the interview. Um, from what we talk about, you might notice that it was recorded a few months ago before Cake reopened for the summer and before Pasishia was officially promoted to assistant manager. Uh, so I just wanted to share that as a note before we get into this great conversation. Pasashia, we're so happy you're with us. Yay, me too. Okay, so we're going to start out how we always do. What is your story as a matter of fat? Um, I think for me, um, being fat has just, it's always been like um, a central identity of who I've always been. And that's kind of shaped me into being the person that I am. Um, I also think that it's like growing up um, in an Asian household, I wasn't necessarily, um, though I was born and raised in Minnesota, I wasn't introduced to white people a lot. Um, And I think when people think of Minnesota, they immediately think of that. But that's just like, totally not what I was ever a part of. Um, I like, went to 
public school in St. Paul for um, like 11 years of my life. So the first time I really like was introduced to like thin white bodies was when I was in the fourth grade. And I think that really changed my perspective. But up Mm -hmm. until I was maybe 10, I was just aware that like I was just another kid. Like it it didn't really matter to me. And I think um, I didn't get a lot of um, comments about my body as well until I started um, getting into those more pubescent um, teenage years. Yeah. Um, when that's when like I started like gaining weight and like acne became a thing and it was like oh you need to find someone who's gonna love you for the rest of your life and it was just like okay there's like a lot of things about me right now that like I need to focus on but I don't know which one and I think like body image was just the one thing that was always like really tapped into especially when I like just kept gaining weight um and it was like confusing for me to navigate around but I think um it also made me stronger in a way and like give less can I swear on here yes yes okay (laughs) like give less of a shit um growing up and I think like it was always like oh you should wear what's flattering like it was Mm -hmm. embarrassing if I was wearing what anyone else that was thin was wearing um and I think for me that really just like shifted my perspective into like well And maybe on top of that, I'm just like a stubborn person. So I was like, well, I'm not going to let anybody tell me anything. Uh, Doesn't matter what size I am. Like, why does that matter? So I just, I just like try to let it go as much. I mean, of course, like as a child that really like beats you up a little bit. But I think like for the most part, it really like made me realize like this is what makes me different. Um, Unfortunately, it, it like really matters to people but um for me like as long as like I'm a nice person and I'm continuously being kind without like asking for anything incredibly huge back like I feel like I'm gonna be okay in the world it didn't uh matter until I was like going into like uh white public schools that it really became like a conflict of like oh, she's also fat on top of being Asian. So and then it became like, oh, so she's really smart, but she's fat. And it wasn't like I, I it was typical of um, an Asian girl to be fat. Like that was the that's the stereotype. I think even now as an adult is that like if an Asian girl isn't skinny, that like it it it, it lessens who she is. And um, I think that really messed me up like it also just like shaped me into into who I wanted to be growing up that I didn't want that to affect um how kind I was to people and like how I treated other people because like I like I never wanted to be treated like that so like why should I let that affect me allowing people to be themselves like growing up fat that really was just like as I was growing up I wish people would have just allowed me to like the things I like without um, throwing what my body looked like into it or like what I looked like in general. Um, that just seems like such a huge part for, for a lot of people. I think even now, um, like especially my older relatives, they think that like because I look a certain way, I won't be able to go um, farther and longer um, just because I look a certain way. And I, I feel like if I'm able to treat people just as people to just be who they are without it being 
about what they look like. Like that's the only, that's as far as they can go is like, that's the top tier, most important thing in the world. Then like, it won't, it won't matter so much. And I feel like it makes a difference to other people as well when they, they feel like they're, the worth of who they are lies within themselves and how they treat people versus how they look like and how many likes they can get. So you mentioned that whether it be, you know, your family members or other people, there is this social stigma for looking a type of way or having a type of identity. Um, You mentioned you were stubborn earlier. Yeah. (laughs) And I wonder how much that feeds into your sense of fashion because you have in my opinion, an exquisite sense of fashion. You're always trying new things. Oh, thank Would you. you mind sharing a little bit with us about what that journey was like and, and then figuring out what your look is and your sense of fashion, knowing that a lot of people might have thoughts or opinions about that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mentioned I was stubborn. And I think like I've always been that way. Um, maybe I don't know. I always say that it's because I was born a Sagittarius, but I I know I can't completely (laughs) just blame it on that. Um, When I was younger, I remember like uh, my mom would my mom would tell me like, oh, you're so going to regret wearing that. And I think like as a parent or even as just like an adult, you look back and you think, oh, my God, what was I thinking when I wore that? You know, (laughs) Um, so my mom was like, you're going to really regret wearing that. And I remember being like 14 thinking like, no, I'm never going to let that happen to me because like, I feel really cool right now. Like I feel great and I'm wearing something that I love. And so like, I just forced myself to stick with that because like, like what else am I supposed to do? Just to, like go <laughs> wet pants all the time. Like, no, I don't feel happy in that. Like I feel happy in something that I wore. And like, now that I think about it, like, yeah, of course I looked kind of goofy, but also I was 14. Like I felt good. Like mm-hmm. that's the most that like you can really ask of a, like a kid really yeah. at that age. And so, like, I think that's really stuck with me this whole time. And I think some people will be like, even to this day, people will be like, oh, that's a very interesting um, outfit you're wearing. And it's like, yeah, it probably <laughs> is. But I feel really good. Like, and and I think it's always just so funny when people are like, well, aren't you wearing that? And it's like, yeah, I really am just wearing this. Um, and I think it's, um, I think it's made me just like appreciate clothes more. Um, and I think like now um, it's, it's, I've always tried to follow like trends. And so when I was younger, like the whole like Disney channel thing was really huge. So I like watch Disney channel, like these movies and shows and would like try to replicate these outfits. And now I think, I think even now it's like the same thing where you you see like maybe celebrities wearing it or even people that you um, like influencers wearing it. And you think like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I want to know what it looks like on my body. And that's Mm -hmm. how I'll just like kind of translate it to myself. Like if I like something, I'll just put it on. And like if it gives off the same vibe, like then like it works, you know, Um, I'm not too picky. And to this day, I really don't know what I would even call my style because I feel like I could go a lot of different ways and I often do. I feel like my my style is like very casual in a sense and like comfortable where like I can like walk around in this and like feel comfortable. I never like force myself to wear things that like are too uncomfortable. Um, Like I'm not that big of a fan of heels. Like if I'm wearing heels, they're like no higher than two inches if Mm -hmm. like – if I'm wearing um, boots, like I, I have to make sure that they're not going to slip and slide around. Like I, I'm very like, um, I'm very aware of um, the comfort I'm going to be in, and like, 
um, I think that's like a big part of like the way I dress. Um, I guess I would consider myself like trendy, like with the times and stuff. I think um, we there's would no like definitely consider you as trendy, Pasasia. Like I don't think yeah. there's any way to not consider you as yeah. trendy and like might I say even like a little fashion forward. Oh, thank you. Um, I've never thought of myself as too fashion forward, actually. Um, I feel like it's always like, um, and I think I kind of force myself to like think outside the box a little you bit. Do. Uh, yeah, to like really like wear prints or like consider different silhouettes or something um, or different textures or something. But um, yeah, I like I know that a lot of people like some people like really stick to like an a whole 80s look or something, you know, but I feel like I'm kind of all over the place. And like, I really appreciate that about fashion. Um, so like, I'm very honored to be able to like, have that tie in to like what I wear from day to day. Um, but I think like, being stubborn has also made me just like, feel like I can be fashion forward and not have to think too much about it. I also think that, um, that just like being inside my own head like that and like really trusting myself that like that's what it is it's like it's made my stubbornness has made me trust myself more and to know that like what I'm doing and like hearing like hearing positive compliments and feedback for myself is just like re reassurance uh for me knowing that like the way I trust myself other people other people see that as well and I Mm. I often will get like um comments of people saying like not like um, to me about a certain outfit, but like in general, they'll say like, you're really wearing that dress. Like it's never like that dress is wearing you, you know? And even my hairdresser was like, you never let your hair wear you. You always wear your hair. And I was like, thank you. That makes me feel like really reassured. And I think like it's crossed over in a lot of my life. That's like, I I like hold that confidence to, um, to really wear what I want to wear. And, um, I think I get to thank my stubbornness for that. Um, as far as back when I was 14 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is all so great. And like, one of my favorite things about interviewing folks for this podcast is like, possibly like we're close and we've never talked this much about your style before. And I'm just like loving hearing this from your perspective. Um, and it is true, like, you really, like, wear, you wear these things. And I, I, I maybe, like, I think something else that I notice is that you are not afraid to try different things. And, like, you're not afraid to, like, play mm-hmm. with bold pieces. Um, and you really have a, such an appreciation for, like, a garment. Like, oh, this. Like, well, you know, we'll be talking about, like, this pair of pants or whatever. Like, oh, and the way that you think about even just, like, a garment is so different um and it's just like it's that's just part of how you have this incredible style oh thank you um I like I think like I I've always kind of done that but I think like when I I went to school for it um when I like when I started my courses um at Minneapolis College for apparel technologies I like really started to appreciate like what an outfit looks like and how it's created and I think that really just like fed into into all that stuff. So like, I I was really able to like appreciate the things that I liked and the things that I didn't like and like realize how it was also constructed. Um, But yeah, I, I really, I really do just appreciate garments. Like they're just real good. And I like, I really appreciate (laughs) the people who are able to sew them together and stuff. You do you and like, you have an eye for it in a way that I don't. And I, I think some of that is probably just who you are, but also because of the training and education you've had. 
Thank you. Um, yeah. And I, I actually like started those courses knowing nothing. Like I didn't know what a dart was. Like I, like I knew that like there were lines coming out of dresses mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, <laughs> like on your chest, but I didn't even know those were called darts. Um, I like didn't know what a princess seam was as silly as that sounds like I've probably worn so many princess seam type dresses and I didn't know what a princess seam was I had never sewed in my life before I like I never had touched it I think I touched a sewing machine once and the line was completely crooked but I was still proud of it Mm. um but it was like it was like very challenging because I didn't know any of these things I didn't know how to put a garment together I didn't know they were called patterns I was like sitting in those classes like so confused um but like being able to learn about that and from the professors there they were like so knowledgeable about so many things and I was able to really like learn and take a lot of that in and um I'm really appreciative for it because now I can look at items and think like oh this is a weird way of sewing it um and it also makes me really appreciate um like well-made garments, um, like when you get things from uh, brands that are fast fashion, you can you can definitely tell um, from like the fabric to the sewing methods that they use. Like you can really tell what they are um, and like how they were made. Um, and I just like I I can just appreciate them so much more. And I I think that also like I try to reflect that as much as I can um, into my into my outfits and stuff it it is hard because as a fat person you don't get a lot of um options where um where the garments are good yeah um Mm. and like really well made so I when I find something and come across something it like it's very special and I like try to take as like incredible care of it because it just like it means so much to me to have something so great and I wish um I wish those those items weren't always so expensive because someone like me who can't afford just like a $300 blazer out of nowhere. Like it, like I, I really can't push that. So I like, sometimes I just pray for things that cake to come through, but also like, <laughs> I just like, also like I can appreciate it from afar sometimes, but um, yeah, like, it's just like, I appreciate it. And I understand the money and the, the finances that go behind um, finding the correct fabric, making sure that it's sustainable and um, being able to pay your workers well to create these things. But at the same time, it's it's just um, it's not available for fat people who can't afford those things. So um, I I have a love, a whole love hate relationship with that. But I, I understand it, that, but I don't love it. <laughs> I would love to hear more about cake, right? So like we get to hear Kat's perspective all the time. You're a core part of cake as well. What's it like for you to be, um, you know, influencing the Twin Cities fat community in this way or just to be such a part of something so important to us on the podcast, but to the community as well? It's actually pretty wild to think about. Um, When I saw like core part of cake, I was kind of like, Wow, like I really am. And uh-huh. I know like Kat, <laughs> Kat, Kat always tells me like you're so important here. And Kat always reassures me. It's not like I forget about it, you know. Like I know that right now we're working as a, a two-person pe- um, team yeah. right now. Um, and like I know that my job there is important to get um, clothes out there and to be able to like really spend time within the fat community. Um, but sometimes, you know, like sometimes I do kind of forget, like sometimes I'm just like, oh yeah, I work here and that's it. But like, truthfully, um, it's so great to be able to work at a place like cake, um, with the, with the boss, not to like, um, (laughs) brag about my boss, (laughs) but like, 
and I was bragging about this the other day to my brother as well. It's just like, I know that I have a great boss who would be supportive of me, whether I left or I stayed, um, and that she would give me more opportunities if they, um, if they come by. So I'm very thankful for that. And I'm also thankful for the people who shop with us and, um, you know, they'll, they'll ask me for, for style tips or what they, what I think something looks like, or, you know, ask for, um, like affirmations if they're ever in the shop or something. And it's nice to be able to be a part of that because like, I understand them, like I'm right there and I, I understand that. Um, and it's also just incredible to be able to know that like I'm selling these items to people and, um, they're coming from a place of, um, sustainability and, um, that we're we're like we're helping out in that sense um and it's it it really it really touches my heart to be able to give that place to someone and be a part of that to give it to someone because um I didn't have that growing up and I think even uh just as I was starting to get into like the thrifting game I it was really hard for me to go to um like Goodwills or just regular thrift shops and like look for things in my size. Um, and a lot of people, when I first started, they'd be like, How did you find these outfits? Um, or like, How do you find good pieces? And I would just have to be like, You sit there and you look through every single thing that's yeah. like in your general size range. And for, um, for a long time, I feel like there wasn't there wasn't a lot at all. I, I could spend like maybe 20 minutes looking through like the one X and two X stuff. And then that was it. Whereas like, um, like a sister or a cousin of mine could like go and like look through things for like a long time without like having that. And I feel like, um, and I feel, well, one thing that Kat said to me, um, when I first started working there is that you get to be picky about the things that you like now, because there's a lot of things that we can choose from, especially from cake. You have so many options and so many sizes that like you can test out different brands. You can, um, you see a lot of different styles and you get to be kind of picky about it now. And so I like, I always remind myself of that now. Like I don't have to settle for the weird t-shirt that I don't really love, but like will fit me. You know? <laughs> oh like gosh, I get to, yes. like I get to like really choose something I love. And like, um, I think when a lot of people come by the shop um, before pan before the pandemic, they would say like, oh, so you really get the first pick of everything. And it was kind of like, yeah, I really do get the first pick of everything. And it's really, it's really nice. But it's also like, so great to see something like really wonderful that I think would look great on somebody else and be able to like put that out for people and know that someone's gonna love mm. that. Um, and to just like, uh, pick up a piece and say like, oh, I think someone's gonna really love this. And like, I know it's gonna go fast. It's nice to be able to um become become more familiar with different brands so I can say like oh this this fits kind of small but this brand might do you better and like to be able to give those options to other people who are having a hard time shopping at all um it's really it's really heartwarming for me to be able to offer any of that to anyone um and before it was like giving advice to thin people is kind of like well you get your 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 pick from anywhere like you could you could walk in anywhere and find anything so being able to really like um get specific with um the fat community um especially in the twin cities when they come in and ask for um a suggestion on a brand or how this brand fits i can like i can tell them with confidence being able to hear other people's opinions on things i can relay that to other customers as well and i feel like that that's really like a crucial part um kind of like telephoning things to other folks um and and to just let them know. So it's, 
it's I'm very honored to be a part of the fat community and doing that, especially um, especially growing up since I didn't have anything like that and nothing of that was like really heard. Um, so to be able to really be a part of something that's so that's still so new in the world um, is really nice and really cool. And I'm really appreciative that I went back to school and Kat reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to um, if if the internship was something that I would want to do. And I said, yes. So I'm very, I'm very happy about all that. And I'm happy about my little Gretchen Wieners costume okay. as well, because that really started. I was going to say, are we going to tell the people like your whole history with cake? Because really it started with Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> yeah, it really did. I, um, so I originally, and I was talking about this on my earth day post because um, earth day was just like, I don't really, I guess I, I've never really thought of um, Earth Day as a, a huge holiday, but I think working at Cake, it's really like opened my eyes to sustainability and what we're able to do there. So um, I I made a post on Earth Day in 2021 um, and said, like, um, I'm looking back at my journey at Cake. I've been very honored to work there and be a part of this sustainable fat community. Um, and I had gone... Uh, I think as far back as the the fashion show, but it went farther than that. It went back to, um, was it the first, the first Halloween? Yeah. Okay. So our very uh, first, so our first fall. This was like way back. I think this was October. 2017 so like cake had been around as a brick and mortar for like a month and we did our first annual costume contest and you submitted this incredible Gretchen Wieners costume um and I didn't know you at all before that I don't think um and you won by like you just I mean it was like there was like a voting process and it was like okay (laughs) you clearly have won just like leaps and bounds and then I think you got a we store credit was part of your prize and I remember the day you came in um to to buy stuff with your store credit and then shortly after like maybe the next spring we did this fat festival fashion event for fashion week Minnesota right and then you were one of our models for that Mm -hmm. yeah actually you know what okay I think it goes one step farther back then because I had um before you guys before cake had a brick and mortar I'm pretty sure you um did a a yeah um uh and there was a panel there and I remember I remember um seeing it was like I saw what really caught my eye was plus size thrift secondhand, um, whatever. But there was like plus size there, and I went, okay, I really want to go to this thing. It's for specifically for plus size people, um, so I want to go and I want to thrift things. So I took my cousin with me, and we went, and it was I think in collaboration with Arts. Um, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So I so I went, and um, I remember going there, and I had got this really cool. Okay, I remember there were two things that I got that were really cool. I got this um, like lacy corset um or no no no. it was like a silky corset that I got and then also I got these um oh no I got a I got a was a it was a checkered black and white blazer and I was thinking already because I I was already wearing my checkered black and white pants and I went this would be really cool they don't look exactly alike but they look alike enough that they would look like it would look like a set Mm -hmm. so I bought that blazer and I was like I was so ecstatic about it and we stuck around and watched the um and listen to the panel for a little bit. But then um, I started following y'all. And um, 
I started following cake and then that's how I heard about the Halloween contest. And I went, okay, I'm going to submit something because $50 store credit would be really cool. I had a great time at the, at the event and I, I could find something. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then I ended up winning. I asked like all my buddies and I was like, can you guys please go vote for me? And I was so happy about that. So yeah, um, I went in, I spent my store credit and then, and, um, back then I was a lot, I was a lot more poor than I am now. So I went, I was like checking out all the prices and I would, I kept thinking like, oh, I don't know if I could afford coming here all the time, but it's definitely cool. And I want to come back, but I don't know if I could like afford coming here all the time. Um, so after a while, I don't think I had come back to the shop. Also, I think I had just started driving, so I didn't have like a steady car to drive in all the time. But um, I I did the I did Gretchen Wieners. I won. It was awesome. It was amazing. And then you and then Kat asked me to come back for the fashion show. And so I did yeah. do that. And that's when I had started going back to school. So I was in the I was in the Minneapolis area a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I think I had actually just started school that semester, too. That makes sense. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. less of like a runway show and more of like we did like a photo shoot and then we had like kind of live models for this like fashion festival kind of shopping event as part of Fashion Week Minnesota. And then that summer you were an intern and you were an intern two summers in a row. Mm-hmm. And then I guess now we're kind of fast forwarding. But then you were the most recent member of the team. But now in pandemic life, you are the only other member of the team besides me. <laughs> we are a yeah. team of two. <laughs> Yeah. And I think um, I think those internships were just like so much fun. And I was so happy to also be a part of like Flat Splash and see all those things come come together. And like sharing those photos of Fat Splash was just like I feel like it's always amazing when we get to share photos of Fat Splash. Gosh, so many people like love it so much. And the first year was really quite small. And you Mm -hmm. and the intern team that first year really like I mean, there's no way like I could have done that. Like it was only possible because of the whole team. I didn't get to work a whole lot with uh, with the intern team because we had we all had like little separate jobs to do. Yeah. So we weren't we weren't um, collaborating a whole bunch. But we did uh, for the second year. I did the internship and that was a lot of fun too. Um, being able to create content for the cake, um, the cake Instagram wall and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. Um but I really, I really appreciated being able to do all that. And I basically get to do that now, like create content for the stories and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, it really like got me ready for that. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed being an intern at Cake. I would totally um, advise anyone who's in school if they want to, <laughs> not to pump my own shop, but if when we come back with internships, I really enjoyed working as an intern there. So I don't know, for me, I felt like it was a pretty cool deal and to be a part of that. And um, it gave me a little taste of what, working at cake was like and so when I came on to actually work it was really nice and um to and for for folks to already know me and say like oh I have seen you on Instagram and stuff and so I was like oh cool it's already like I'm a part of the family it isn't there wasn't anything like um too sudden about it so that was cool yeah so Pasichia what is bringing you joy lately personally professionally both something else we'd love to hear it um well, professionally, I think what's bringing me joy right now is um, the fact that um, I think I can call myself an influencer of sorts, um, not something that I'm like incredibly pushing hard about. But um, I think like being able to just share stuff on Instagram is really cool and being able to see people um, relate or even be like inspired by my outfits is really cool. Um, I think that'll always kind of bring me joy, um, especially because I've been like on social media as like a as someone who has sort of a following um, 
to have. Um, it, it brings me a lot of joy when people tell me that like I've inspired them or helped them uh, be more confident. Um, so that's always cool on a professional level. Um, and I think personally right now, um, it would be my cat and um, a romance books. Yes, <laughs> romance books. Going there. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I've never, like we've had family dogs, but I've never had like a, a pet of my own. Um, so uh, last summer, there was a cat that had a, had a litter in my neighbor's barn and I was kind of helping take care of them. And I kept thinking like, oh, they're very cute, but I don't think I could. I could spend time with them or anything, but then I got real attached to my cat and, um, I just had to take her home and, um, I helped rehome the rest of her siblings and her mom, but like, she just brings me so much joy, um, like every day. And I, I swear to God, I could leave the house for like not even two minutes and feel like I miss my cat already. Um, she's just so sweet and awesome. And, um, She's just my little angel. And I feel like in the life of the pandemic, like she really came at a a really wonderful time for me. So I was able to be at home and be with her. But also, um, like, she's really just like lifted my spirits a whole bunch and like, given me a reason to like, just enjoy every day. Um, It's always something new with her. So she'll be one in August, and it'll be a whole year that I've had her in um, October. So that's really nice. Um, And I I never thought I'd be a cat person. But here I am, (laughs) like loving my cat more than anything in the whole wide world. You're a very dedicated cat mom. Like Thank Zuko you. <laughs> just is like treated like a true princess. Oh yeah, I know. And I feel like I my my family's always telling me I have to stop buying her um like toys and stuff, especially when she's just happy with like a ball of paper. <laughs> but um I just can't stop it and I like want to buy her little outfits too, but I don't want to force anything on her. But like also I I kind of want her to wear like a little tutu or something because my my sister says she's like a little ballerina walking around the oh. house. I don't know. There's like there's like so many levels to this. Like I want to be a, fr- a a mother who is freeing, but also um, that dress just looks so darn cute when I'm at the <laughs> shop. So <laughs> it's a push and pull. Yeah, where can people find you and Zuko? Like, what are the handles? What are the social media sites that they should be looking at? Um, so my social media site is uh, on Instagram is just my first name, Posse Shia. Um, and then Zuko is um, at Zuko the Angel. Um, and she's um, she's got quite the following less than 500 but she's she's working on there we share and I share um I have her pose with my books the ones that I'm reading and we'll share what we're reading um we call us the Pazuko uh book club cute. um, <laughs> That's so cute. um yeah and um so she just uh she never she doesn't read along with me because of course she's a cat but she takes the little <laughs> photos and it's much cuter that way um since I don't have like an official book um Instagram um and I don't plan to start one I don't think I'm like that I think I think reading right now is just really fun for me. Growing up, I wasn't much of a reader. So um, it's just really fun to be reading for fun. And um, I'm I'm going through books so quickly. You are flying um, through books. It is like, yeah. we, we've been lucky to read some of the same ones. So we can like chat about them. And that's been really fun. Mm-hmm. It's also so nice to just like work right down the building from a bookshop, you know? Yeah, it really is. Um, last month I was, um, I had read a total of seven books. Um, but I feel like I probably could have read 
at least 10, but I didn't plan accordingly. And I didn't think I would read through so many books so fast. Um, so I ended up having to wait for books. So I won't be so foolish this May. <laughs> but, um, so hopefully I am able to um, achieve my goal. And so I gave myself a little goal of just 20 books this year to read because I've never been a reader, but it's it's com- becoming apparent that I am a, I'm actually a very avid reader. So you're going to be probably um, already blown through that goal. Um, I think I'm I, I read through like 17 now at this cool. point. So I'm very close to that goal. But it's nice to like set a small goal like that and reach it and know that I'm enjoying myself doing it. And it doesn't feel like a job or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because someone asked me to start a book club and I went, I don't think I could really set up a book club. I don't want to ask you guys questions. And I don't I don't want um, <laughs> like I don't want to psychoanalyze everything. I just want to enjoy a good book right yes, now and yeah. and yearn and pine a little bit. And <laughs> that's about it. Well, that's we are so excited to. To share you and then also you Zuko's uh, page which also has all your books on it um, with our audience will of course take you um, and put that in our show notes so folks can find you oh awesome that's so exciting <laughs> thanks for telling your story as, as a matter, matter of fact oh, what an amazing interview and of course you know we have some thoughts we have some opinions so we wanted to debrief with y'all for a little bit so first and foremost I love that like when we talk about a really specific midwestern perspective on the show and otherwise like a very certain stereotype of who exists in the midwest comes to mind right and it was just so great to hear that you can grow up in the Midwest and that doesn't necessarily mean you grow up in whiteness. I think that needs to be shared widely and prevalently that whiteness does not represent the Midwest exclusively. So hard I agree. also hard, hard agree. And then specifically in this conversation, like how much thinness in whiteness is interrelated mm-hmm. and inex- inexorably linked, right? Yeah, I'm so happy that Pasashia brought those things forward. And, you know, just like a, like a kind of zooming out a little bit, like, like I alluded to in the interview, you know, Soraya, I know you don't often have conversations with Pasashia, but I she's someone I talk to like every other day. And so <laughs> just it's this happens all the time with these interviews. It's like we get to hear so much from people um, and hear more about their backgrounds than we have as just like friends or coworkers or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that is not that is related to this and also just related to everything that was touched on. It's really cool um, to hear yeah the intricacies of people's backgrounds and stories, even if they are people that we know and love. And just how nice she is, right? Oh like, she talked about as long as I'm a kind person, yeah. like, oh. if the world is going to be here. I was like, more of that, please. I know. So sweet. And actually, it was, I had never, like, heard Pasashia say it so explicitly before that, like, kindness is a guiding principle for her. Uh, and so beautiful that, like, that is exactly what I see her exhibiting in everyday life as a human and as a coworker. And it was just so special to hear her highlight that that like kindness piece throughout her story mm-hmm. I mean I have lots of other things that stood out to me um do you want me to keep running through them yeah t- like- yes okay. yes okay so something that came out it wasn't like specifically touched on in the conversation but this idea of like generational concern I think it has come <sighs> up in other episodes things we've talked about maybe y'all have talked about it too it's just like parents feeling the type of way like why are you going to dress like that? You can't look like that. That will hurt your chances. That will make you, 
you know, less, like less advantageous, uh, a less advantageous way to go through the world, mm-hmm. right? Like if you pick a bold look or a specific look. And it's so interesting because I do want to say without being a parent myself that that is rooted in concern yeah. and like wanting your children to live the best lives, but defining that best life by your experience and not the future that they're living in too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I just – this is something I know you and I have talked about, Kat, maybe not on the podcast, but this idea of feeling happy mm-hmm. and like happiness being something that we are concerned with and wanting for ourselves and like how much was that an option for previous generations. And oh, in this yeah. instance, a look, putting together some looks, understanding what you like, what you enjoy as like serving that joy and happiness. Oh my gosh, this is like taking a philosophical turn here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we do talk about like, yeah, how happiness or like wanting to pursue happiness or believing that we can be happy as people is such um, a big part of like our lives and and our generation's like perspectives, I think, but how that just feels so different um, from when our parents talk. And we're totally, this is not related to Pasochia's parents necessarily, right? Because we don't know. We don't know how they feel about this, but it's back to what you were saying, like, it's truly it's like love and like protection with you mm-hmm. know that really motivates i think parents saying oh i that's probably not going to be a good idea to do that or to wear that um mm-hmm. but to your point like for th- things have cha- things are changing right and so mm-hmm. it's like maybe yeah someone will think this or that of me if i wear this but also like this is who i am and this is what makes me happy um mm-hmm. and i just love this like i'm imagining like the little you know a young pasashia her internal internal resolve to be like no i'm gonna wear this <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so just, cute. you've gotta love a stubborn gal and i just have to believe that like that mentality has really had a you know impacted greatly in the most positive way how she how her style is today but also just like who she is as a person you know yeah also just like the most midwestern thing isn't that an interesting outfit <laughs> interesting yeah, it really is yeah. like the response to that <laughs> so cute so cute i love it yeah um i also am just impressed with her appreciation for garments like pre and post education Mm -hmm. because well first of all like she her like outfit building is just a whole vibe she's like does this vibe match the vibe that i liked in this thing i'm like whoa what an ingenious way to think of something maybe everybody else knows how to do that but for me i was like oh no it's an equation you have to have this color shirt and this color pants and this no it's like what is the feel of it like approaching it from that is just so smart and um, I also just want to put out there that I, I don't know what a princess seam is. Should I know what a princess seam is? It's, Do you know? Yeah, it's like that seam. It's like, um, you know what darts are? Those like little ones on the bust. A princess seam mm-hmm. is like a long seam that comes from like your neck or maybe even under the arm sometimes and kind of comes down the bust to like make a garment be a little bit more fitted to you. But like, oh. unlike Pasajia, I have zero training in this. All I know is what I know from Google. So I'm sure she could have explained it much better than I just did. Well, I mean, I'm I'm following, I'm tracking, and also Google is my friend too. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just, I also okay. Can we add her Halloween photo oh, in some yeah, capacity sure. so that people can see it? Yeah, I'll link to it. Yeah, and also like, does everybody know who Gretchen Wieners is? <laughs> I don't know. We should say that. So Mean Girls, the phenomenal um, hit of the century, Mean Girls, there's a character named Gretchen Wieners who, how would you describe her style? She's kind of preppy, maybe? Like Clueless-esque? Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. yes. You can make that parallel for sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> then maybe we have to describe what clueless task means. No, okay, but anyways, very preppy. Um, and it's just like a great, a great moment. And you'll see if you go check out the photos, you can you can reference what that yeah, looks like. It was like. just so cute to see like a plus size person in a little Gretchen Wieners outfit. And it was not like it wasn't super elaborate. It was just like finding this outfit that like she totally would have wore um and wearing it. And so yeah, that's that was that was so fun. And yeah, my introduction to Pasashia and her, I guess, second introduction to the shop. She's so sweet. She's such a delight. I'm here for her. I'm here for Zuko. I'm here for all of it. Oh, same, same, same. I just like what an awesome person to get to spend time with at work all the time and to chat romance novels with and to hear about all the cute cat stuff. Oh my goodness. Also, um, since the our interview, Zuko had a birthday and Pasashia threw a first birthday party for Zuko and they wore coordinating outfits. She did put Zuko oh in a God. little dress and it was so I will also link to a, um, maybe one of her photos from that too because I think that you all would just love to see it. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. I will say she is the type of influencer I love and stand for and can't wait to see what she does next. Same, same, same. And next up, we're going to get into different kind of influencers. <laughs> yeah, we are in the Dirt, Dirt and, and Discourse. It's time for the Dirt and Discourse. This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. This certain discourse centers around influencers and how they are indicative of the direction of body positivity and fat liberation. And specifically, we want to share some super sleuthing that we did on this <laughs> sort of chic but very cringe brand event and tie it back to the hashtag fight for inclusivity boycott that Saucy West has been championing. So there's a brand called Bloom Chic that partnered with some fashion influencers to host a beautiful dinner filled with like many of the who's who of plus size social media and modeling. So, I mean, it's just some plus size folks seemingly living their best lives. Give us the um, names. Cat you always tell us the names, Soraya. <laughs> who are the names? Who is here? Yeah, I have to keep up with my brand, right? So um, <laughs> we had Tess Holiday. We have um, Alex LaRosa, Kelly Brown, Jasmine Jay. I saw a photo with John Luke. Russo at some point. Um, who else did you see in the oh, photos? Oh, many more. Um, Natalie. Natalie. And is it Leticia? Leticia Thomas? Yeah. Leticia? And Nadia Abulosan. Mm -hmm. I'm blowing these mm -hmm. names. I, I'm sorry, y'all. Sorry to these sorry people. Sorry to but them. Like, they are all over social media. I follow a number of them. These are pretty known people, which also shame on us for not knowing their last names. <laughs> uh, but these are <laughs> Truly. pretty known folks. I mean, for me to even know that this is a big deal because I kept seeing things pop up. I'm like, who are all these people? Why are they all hanging yeah, out together? They look like they're having fun. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and why is it dirt and discourse worthy? Like people having a dinner. Yes, it's COVID. That's not the reason we're talking about but this. But also, as a very side note, I just, when you are in a space where everyone, all of the service workers are wearing masks and no one there in attendance is wearing masks, it just, it, it feels a little bit gross, though that is a very small grievance compared to where where we're going with this my face literally became the emoji where it's just like all teeth and like awkward <laughs> it's just like awkward cringe yeah um well it's also cringier because bloom chic only offers clothing in sizes 12 to 20 like i just been coming plus size brand sizes 12 to 20 12 what? to 20 
it says 22 on Instagram, but if you actually go to the site, that's not the super sleuthing, but if you go to the site, it's only to 20. And it really got us asking like, what does it mean for so many well-known people to be seen with this brand when some of them can't even wear the clothing? Yeah, I, I mean, okay, I think it's like a great advertising move, um, a, a great like in a growth way. You know what I mean? Like they're being very smart about how they're pursuing this, though this brand feels, might I say, très problématique. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> please say it feels so bad i'm gonna say it in bad french um so i (laughs) i think that it was um a strategic marketing move to have these very known folks come to this event also at the event in the images they're wearing clothes from the brand and then if you go to the website like the every garment that's offered and as Ray mentioned every garment we looked at only went up to size 20 um, but every garment that's there is modeled and then many of them also have photos of these influencers wearing that piece it's very interesting as well because some of these influencers you know what can you tell from a photo but I would uh, imagine at least a handful of the folks who were in attendance and kind of posting about this wear over a size 20 and like cool 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 that you can find a stretchy thing that works but it just it feels so I don't know disingenuous or at least very confusing to have these folks wearing these clothes and also so smart because we talked about uh in a dirt and discourse previously about like Shein and yeah. how you don't know how any of those clothes fit unless you see them on somebody and so like in this instance the the clothing that people wore and the way it's displayed on the website looks better than some of the modeled photos. I think like, much better. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so Soraya, we were talking about this and then you did some super sleuthing on LinkedIn. <laughs> Is it super sleuthing if you just follow a couple of links? I mean, it was hard. Actually, no. It was hard we, to find information yeah. about this organization. Like we were trying to find who's the parent company, who owns this, who's running this. And truly LinkedIn was the only way I could find some kind of like um, organizational, not chart, but like breakdown of who's a part of this. Mm-hmm. So um, Bloom Chic bills itself as, quote, the world's only real-time fashion brand focused exclusively on the plus-size community. <laughs> what? Is it, though? 20? <laughs> 12 um, to 20? Is that the plus-size community? The only? <laughs> what? The audacity, okay? And also, like, I didn't know this. I saw, I was like, Kat, what is real-time fashion what does that even mean that means nothing to me can i tell you what i think it means yeah i'd love to did we talk about this before i don't so i i listened to this like kind of interesting podcast episode it was like an npr i think it was one one a or something npr piece and the topic was fast fashion and they focused on Shein. and so i think what they're getting at by real-time fashion brand unlike a store like torrid or old navy which also are fast fashion they pump out clothing in seasons so it's like this is kind of the collection or these are the things that are coming out this season again this is a very uh rudimentary explanation of this uh one that that I might not be grasping fully. But I think what Bloom Chic might be getting at with this idea of real-time fashion is that um, I assume they're similar to Shein in the sense that they don't put things out like in a collection for the season. They see something that's hot and they just make it right then, regardless mm. of when the season is, what's happening. Like it's not as if it's a collection that we have like a time frame around. It's like this is hot right now. 
let's get some samples. Let's take some pictures on on a model or maybe a, you know, digitally altered mannequin-y model situation. Um, mm. And let's sell them right now. And that ties into kind of how they do like their purchasing and shipping as well, which I think we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah, I guess let me give you some more LinkedIn information, but thank you for that breakdown. It's just as eye-rolly, what's to come. (laughs) So this is pulled from their LinkedIn site and says, Hello world, we're a team of fashion industry veterans and serial entrepreneurs. Gotta love that. Side note, I can't stand that phrase. Anyways, back to the quote. Super passionate about body positivity, female empowerment, and making on-trend fashion both sustainable and accessible. Ooh. <laughs> Bold claims. Bold claims from what little we know already, right? So I, it's still like, okay, that's – you got your line. You got your elevator pitch. But, like, who is actually running this? Are there mm-hmm. fat folks running this? Like, what is the background? Because you say this is it, but, like, who started this? I want an origin story or a villain story, whatever it is. Or oh, both so, in this sense, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> a little foreshadowing maybe i don't know it's a slander to call someone a villain maybe i but, guess that's true um well let's just hear from the founder bill who um and it, quote bloom chic is a vc which is venture capitalist backed early stage fashion e-commerce startup with operations in los angeles san francisco hong kong and guangzhou launched at the end of 2020 we have raised around 10 million dollars in initial funding and are scaling rapidly we're well positioned to enter the next stage of hypergrowth centered by our laser focus on earning and owning the global plus-size fast fashion market outside of china starting with the u.s okay they are they want to earn and own the global plus size fashion market but they are literally only going to a size 20 excuse me bill i mean that's really the plan here what also frustrates me is that like this all sounds really good and they're venture capital back so like bill and company are and again i'm sure bill is a fine person perhaps we were too quick to use the word villain um but like, I think that this company is pitching itself and I can just imagine how good and tight their their pitches sound. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I can I can just see how venture capitalists would just eat this up. But like us, the market of people who mm-hmm. this is supposed to be reaching out to, we see right through the bullshit. Right. Like, I get it. This is a whole untapped demographic. That's all we've been saying through all of this. Like, Yeah. We do have money. It's less than most people because of, you know, systemic oppression, right? But, like, we still have money. We'd be willing to put it towards something. And yet, here you come out with these big audacious claims, and it's not even including all the people you say it's including. Like, what? Please. Please. It's it's even, like, a smaller size range than, like, many of the size ranges that we complain about, you know? (laughs) What's also very interesting about all of this is that it's like they they're claiming they're so sustainable. And I think what is informing that for them, which I I call bullshit, but I think what's informing that is that like you order something and then they make it once you order it. And when we were talking about just like a butter burger just like a butter burger okay for all of you midwesterners i know it's not the same but you know like okay i pull up to the culver's drive-thru i'm i'm ordering a butter burger they're making it fresh for me but like it is not as if they don't have the supplies already there the infrastructure of the culver's created it's not as if like zero money has been spent on this business until someone orders something or, or like zero products will go to waste unless someone orders something. it's just i i know that 
the teens at my local Culver's making me like a Culver's deluxe is not the same as how Bloom Chic is making their clothes. But it just, I feel like we need to think more critically about what they're saying when it's like, oh, it's sustainable if we don't make it until someone buys it. I think that it's just not the full story. Um, mm-hmm. It's a gross, it's like, I think it's a gross misrepresentation. Um and like I mentioned earlier, it feels so clear that they just know the right words to say. And the, the I mean, smart marketing. Throw yeah. this party. Have all these super chic people of varying plus sizes, notably many folks oversized 20, there singing the mm-hmm. praises of this brand. Um, I, it's just, it is... It's smart, um, but I'm I'm mad about how smart it is because it feels like a lot of talk and not very much actual action in any of the living up to any of these promises that they seem to be making. I just it's an adequate representation of how saying something that's accessible and sustainable is neither of those things. I mean, I guess price point wise, it does feel pretty accessible. Oh, interesting. Because I was thinking more of like accessible for the demographic, right? Like accessible to sizes and like, but also accessible in like getting your clothes and the reviews you saw were that it wasn't coming to people for like a month or more. Yeah, which is probably like which which tracks if they don't start production on something until someone orders something. Um, Yeah, not as quick as the butter burgers in this sense. Hmm. Uh, I, this is like also, a, we should oh, clarify is Culver's a Midwestern thing or is it just like a Minnesota Wisconsin thing no it's there's a I went to a Culver's in Texas once there's less of them but they exist what? yeah yeah wow I know but they're okay. much more prevalent up here yeah well I'm glad that that reference plays I'm glad <laughs> it plays um I guess okay here's the thing though so yeah. influencers get paid to show up and show out and like we're not condemning them for partaking in a beautiful meal in a beautiful place with beautiful people like we just had a meal out with our matter of fat assistance oh, and it was you know in the vein of living our best lives i'm glad those folks had it that's why i paid attention in the first place these beautiful folks like having a good time in like you know i'll go for a brunch i haven't gone for a brunch in a long time but i would once it's safe again for me mm-hmm. to do so but it just feels particularly weird because there's been a recent call to action that we have also noted on this podcast for the hashtag fight for inclusivity from saucy west and so just to like give you a better idea of what this is um we have a statement from jordan underwood who goes by at jordan allen hall on instagram So, quote, a message to plus size influencers. A handful of you are what are standing between the greater plus size community and more inclusive sizing. If each of you with your respective 100,000 plus followers endorsed the hashtag fight for inclusivity boycott and encouraged your followers to do so, moves would be made on behalf of the brands tomorrow and you could go back to getting your bag. By refusing to comment or publicly endorse the boycott, you are putting your personal gain over the fight for fat liberation. If that's the choice you're making, that's fine, but make that choice and own up to it. Stop defending your lack of action and come to terms with your neoliberal ideals. This is a labor movement. We are fighting for clothes, but with clothes come an entire industry of jobs for fat folks like yourselves. Boycotts and strikes work together, and if y'all get on board, there will be more jobs and clothes and opportunities for all fat people. Every movement for justice requires sacrifice. These sacrifices are temporary. Your world won't crumble if you take a stance and support the hashtag fight for inclusivity. Let's help each other out and do this for the fat babies that we fight for every day. Love and solidarity. Ooh, this this whole thing is just so good. 
so good. And like also harkens back to what we were talking about a little bit ago about like, what are the generations that we're fighting for? Like, what are the choices we're making now so that it is easier for us in the future or easier for the younger folks? And so this comment (laughs) is why we're talking about this bloom chic dinner in the dirt and discourse, because this is going on while all of these folks are going out and having a dinner and being the face of a brand that seems real shady. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, what are people willing to lose right now in the pursuit of long-term community-wide gain? Precisely. And that was my favorite part of this whole kind of call to action statement that, that they put out. What are you willing to lose? And, and just noting that like, you might lose something, you might lose a, a, a brand deal, you might lose a contract, you might lose something, but like it will assuredly offer more opportunities for you and everyone else in the long term. But isn't that also just like a snapshot of, I don't know, our country, our world? It's like if some folks were open to giving up a little bit now, it could be better for them and everyone else in the maybe not so long term, right? Like maybe pretty soon here. But folks are just so um, unable to, I don't know. And again, I feel like um, this happens in a lot of ways. And like, I probably am not giving up things that I could give up to make the world a better place right now either. And and I hope it's clear that like this list of folks that we named at this beautiful dinner, it's not like we're like, oh, cancel all of them for going to this thing. It's just like the bigger picture here um, mm-hmm. and how beautifully this post from Jordan kind of put it all together. Yeah. I, but you're right, Kat. Like this is just one other example of, you know, what does liberation work look like and how I think body positivity is increasingly a neoliberal tool and yep. tagline as opposed to the fat liberation that we support. Exactly. Wow, wow, wow. Another great episode. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. As always, visit www.matteroffatpod.com for show notes, transcripts, info about Matter of Fat, links to our socials, access to older episodes, and to link to Fisher Media's Minnesotans React series that we're part of. If you love the pod and want to send some monetary support our way, get into our Matter of Fat. <laughs> Cash! We're on Venmo at Matter of Fat Pod, and you can find more info about Fat Cash on our website. As you know, we love to share shout outs for Fat Cash gifts and reviews in Apple Podcasts, but this episode, we don't have any to share. So if you'd like to hear your name right here in our next episode, you can pop over to Apple Podcasts for a review or send us some funds on Venmo. And of course, both are never expected, but always so, so appreciated. Truly. Truly appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. Oh, I can't wait till we're all together again. You won't have to wait long. So we publish episodes every other Wednesday. And next up is a fat dish episode where we will chat about so many things. All the things. Oh, yes. Okay. And I just finished another rom-com read with a fat main character. And I cannot wait to give you my full review in our fat dish. Oh, my gosh. We'll get into it and so much more on our next episode of Matter Matter of of Fat. Fat. Matter of Fat. Matter of Fat.